0: Thank you for choosing to listen to our sermon podcast. My name is Chris Mitchell. I'm one of the pastors here at First Covenant Church of Anchorage. If you have any questions or prayer requests, feel free to stop by or send an email to office at anchoragefirstcovenant.com. God bless. Um, There I am. Okay. Last week we wrapped up our series on the covenant affirmations um, with the last one, uh, Freedom in Christ. And we have a couple of weeks before I start the next series, which will be on First John. Um, and I'm just waiting for uh, for a couple of things to happen before then. Um, because I didn't want to, there were a couple of things we had scheduled, and I didn't want to stop in the middle of the series to do those. So when I don't know what to preach on, um, when we we have like Kind of holes in the schedule i always just use the lectionary so just so you know that's that that's where the the sermons are going to come from for the next couple weeks it's just from the lectionary um, it's not that's um i'm not trying to say something to anybody in particular um, but i'm trying to say something to all of us i guess in particular <laughs> and today we're going to be talking about the cost of discipleship um, we're going to be looking at luke chapter 14 verses 25 Route 33. Um, in 1997, uh, NASA was celebrating uh, the Mars Pathfinder landing, lander. Sorry, and it, it was kind of a test case for a new type of space mission uh, because they built it and designed it very quickly and very cheaply. Well, I mean, for a big, you know, space thing going to Mars. Um, And it was a success. They tried a whole bunch of new, inexpensive technologies, and it it all paid off. They landed. They got some great data, wonderful pictures, and they did it for a fraction of what previous missions had cost. Um, So based upon that success, they planned a whole new series of scientific missions to Mars. Uh, And they wanted to launch at least uh, one new mission every two years. And their motto was faster, better, cheaper. Faster, better, cheaper. But, um, you know, it's kind of like once you kind of make that your mission statement, you know something bad's going to happen. Um, and that is what happened. Uh, their next mission in 1999, right, the two years later, uh, Mars Polar Lander. It failed to slow on descent and it slammed into Mars' surface. Uh, smashing into you know thousands of pieces, they still can't find pieces of it. Um, later, it was determined that there was a design flaw um, in the 165 million, and that's that's the fraction of the cost. The 165 million dollar spacecraft. was just one little design flaw that caused the braking system to shut off, and so it didn't slow down like it was supposed to. Now, of course, you know they had to figure out why, because that's what you do when something goes wrong. And according to the engineers, there's a flaw that would have det- they, there, there was something that would have detected and prevented the crash, but they needed to run the right simulation on the computers. And why didn't they run that simulation? Because they were trying to cut costs and they didn't want to pay for that program. Um, they didn't want the software. I mean, they did it cheaper, right? They, they built this thing, they landed it cheaper, but not necessarily better. The Mars uh, Polar Lander crashed because the administration failed to count the costs to complete the mission. Um, A subsequent review found that um, the project was underfunded by about 30%. And this led to shortcuts. Now the first mission had been a success, and they tried to build upon that success, but they didn't properly count the cost. They just wanted to make something happen easy. And we all do that sometimes. Uh, we fail to take things into account. I can't tell you how many times I've been in the middle of cooking dinner and then realized that I don't have like, one of the main ingredients. Like you know, making spaghetti, and I'm like, oh, I don't have any noodles, um, or, or whatever. Or um, this is, this, I'm so bad at this. Home repairs. I'm not the most handy guy, but you know, every once in a while, you just have to suck it up and do it. Um, and, and so I start, I start and I take everything apart. And I realize I do not have the things to put it all back together, right? And so I have to run to Home Depot, and it's usually like two or three times until I'm able to finally finish the project. Um, because I do not properly count the cost. I don't read all the steps. I don't, I don't do the research, and I get stuck. And this is a mistake that Jesus wants to be sure that his disciples avoid. Therefore, he tells us in advance how much it will cost to follow him to the very end. Even before we come to faith in Christ, he calls us to count the true cost of Christian discipleship, which demands us to love him more than anything else in the world and to carry the cross of our own sacrificial love. So, with that, let's read Luke 14, uh, verses 25 through 33. Large crowds were traveling with Jesus. Turning to them, he said, whoever comes to me and doesn't hate father and mother, spouse and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even one's own life, cannot be my disciple. Whoever doesn't carry their own cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. If one of you wanted to build a tower, wouldn't you first sit down and calculate the cost to determine whether you have the money to complete it? Otherwise, when you laid the foundation but couldn't finish the tower, all who see it will begin to belittle you. They will say, here's the person who began construction and couldn't complete it. Otherwise, when you have laid the foundation but couldn't finish the tower, all who see it will begin to belittle- Oh, right, belittle you. I just read that. Sorry. I'm trying to do the slide thing at the same time. Um, and that's difficult. Um, or what king would go to war against another king without first sitting down to consider whether his 10,000 soldiers could go up against the 20,000 coming against him? Sorry, my slides. I just realized, sure, can you do the slide things? Thank you. I was trying to do something different. I did not count the cost, right? Before. And so here I am. I'm trying to do both. I didn't do a dry run through, you know, just to count the cost. And then it gets stuck. And then here I am standing up front, getting embarrassed, and there you go. Okay. So God loves to teach me humility and I love to learn. So um, or what king would go to war against another king without first sitting down to consider whether his ten thousand soldiers to go up against twenty thousand come against them. And if he didn't think he could win, he would send a representative to discuss terms of peace while his enemy was still far off. In the same way, none of you who are unwilling to give up all of your possessions can be my disciple. What we have here in our passage um, is Jesus laying out the conditions for discipleship for the true cost of following him. And and we need to understand at this point in Jesus' ministry, right, In this point, if you're reading through the book of Luke, um, he had amassed a huge crowd of followers. Uh, so they, they were just following him around, right, groupies, you know, just like this whole great crowd, just wherever he goes, they go. And, uh, and, and a lot of them, you know, were probably just around for an exciting ride. Uh, they, they didn't clearly understand what the ministry of Jesus was about or what it meant to dedicate yourself to following him. And so Jesus lays it out. He tells them, what the cost is of being one of his disciples. He gives them three conditions, three costs. All right. The first condition is in verse 26, the second in verse 27, and the third in verse 33. So condition one, hate your family. Now, that's a heavy cost. Um, Jesus' grace is free, but following him will cost the person everything. Did the daughter just lean over to her dad and say, I hate you? Yes. (laughs) Um, Even the person's closest relationships. Jesus, Luke 14.26 says, Whoever comes to me and doesn't hate his father and mother, spouse and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even one's own life cannot be my disciple. Now, that might seem harsh. But now, putting it into context, we know that Jesus is not encouraging hatred. Um, which is denounced over and over again in the Bible. Over and over again, Jesus says, don't hate, don't hate. <laughs> Did I set you up? Um, but we do find that when Jesus is talking, sometimes he uses figures of speech. And he's using a figure of speech called hyperbole. Hyperbole um, is the intentional exaggeration to communicate an important point. In other words, he was, he was exaggerating to try to get your attention. He was trying to say something bold, something that will, that will stand out. So in the passage this morning, Jesus isn't advocating a posture of hatred. But he's saying that if someone's going to follow him and be his disciple, you have to love him more than your family. Because in this culture, family is everything. Those are your primary relationships. right? Those defined you. They said who you were. Right? It mattered whose son or daughter you were. That mattered. That mattered to people. Or whose brother and sister you were. Or whose cousin. Or whose niece or nephew. Right? Those were the things that gave you a sense of identity. And they, they gave you a place. All right? Those relationships. They defined who you were. And who you were in the community. But Jesus asked to no longer take our identity from those sources, even good sources. Our identity is to be found in Christ. Right? That is our relationship. That is our primary relationship. He's the one that determines our worth. Our identity is found in Christ alone. All right. Condition two, consider the cost and take up your cross. Uh, we get to begin to get a better sense of what Jesus is saying when he clarifies the statement in verse 27. And he says, Whoever doesn't carry their own cross and follow me cannot be my disciples. Now, obviously, he's once again not literally talking about a cross. But th- this can mean several things it can mean the, the burdens of daily li- life, right? Because daily life has a lot of burdens. but he'd also be talking about martyrdom, giving up oneself. Unless people are prepared to give up their life, they couldn't be his disciples. What Jesus is saying, that in order to be his disciple, you must participate in his humiliation and and death. And and this is foreshadowing because, right, Jesus hasn't been crucified yet. no one knew that he was going to be crucified. But every one of them knew what the cross was. Every one of them knew what the cross was then. Um, it was a mark of humiliation. It was a mark of shame, right? Especially if you're defined by your relationships, right? And Jesus is saying, no, define your, like, let me be your definition of who you are. Let, find your identity in me. His identity is in the cross. And he's telling everyone that following him is going to be shameful. It's going to be humiliating. He already asked people to abandon relationships. Now he's telling them to lay down their pride. He warned that on other occasions that we would be hated um, in this world. And that those that were serious about him would face daily trials. He had no time for superficial professions of faith. Um, and it's important for us to realize this because uh, often we're trying e- so eager to make our faith as painless as possible, um, and we become peddlers of cheap grace—the grace that doesn't, that obscures and hides the message of Jesus, which is a call to sacrifice. It's supposed to hurt. It's a call for devotion, even to the point of martyrdom even until the end. Uh, Jesus was not in a hurry to add to his numbers um, by oversimplifying the demands of discipleship. Jesus didn't oversimplify. And he he amplified this teaching with some examples, right? The examples of building a tower, right? Verses 28 through 32. Um, If one of you wanted to build a tower, wouldn't you first sit down to calculate the cost to determine whether you have enough money to complete it? Otherwise, when you've laid the foundation, but couldn't finish the tower, all who see it will begin to belittle you. They will say, here's the person who began construction and couldn't complete it. Or the next example. Or what king would go to war against another king without first sitting down to consider whether his 10,000 soldiers could go up against 20,000 coming against them? And if he didn't think they could win, he would send a representative to discuss terms of peace while his enemy was still a long way off. Uh, Jesus, Jesus tells the story of embarrassments that's suffered by a man who impulsively sets to build a tower without first sitting down and estimating a cost. If you want to participate, if you want to join, if you want to enter into the kingdom of God, count the cost. Am I, am I willing to go there? Do I really mean it? are we going to fizzle out? Are we going to fizzle out? And, and he reinforces this with the other comparison about the king who uh, was about to go to war with another king. Now, most leaders in this situation would examine information from military intelligence and take counsel on whether his army is strong enough for the encounter. And if not, then, the, they, then they might send a delegation for peace. Smart leaders, wise military generals, they're careful to count the cost. We are asked to count the cost. Always. Always count the cost. And this is hard, but there's hope. Right? As we take up our cross. God is there. God is with us as we take up the cross, encouraging us to take up the cross, empowering us, teaching us, and strengthening us. All right? Um, one of my um, favorite um, pastors, teachers, um, is a, a man named John Perkins in uh, Jackson, Mississippi. And uh, we talk to him and stuff. He, he's always saying, boy. Um, he's an old black man. And um he, he's always like, Boy, God wants to broaden up your shoulders so you can do some work. <laughs> you know? He wants to broaden up them shoulders. And uh and I love that, right? God wants us to broaden up our shoulders so we can do some work. And there's good news. That God promises that he's not like a build the builder that hastily begins a project only to abandon it midway. Right? Um Ephesians 2.10 says, Instead, we are God's accomplishment, created in Christ Jesus to do good things. God planned for these good things to be the way that we live our lives. And we're also told in Philippians 1.6, I'm sure about this. The one who started a good work in you will stay with you to complete the job by the day of Christ Jesus. Um, if God's begun a good work in you, you can be sure that he will bring the project on to completion, because he is a good builder, a wise king. He knows the costs. He knows the cost, and he wants you to know it too. So, condition two is being a disciple of Jesus is bearing your cross and counting the cost. Now, condition three, easy one, abandon all you have. Uh, Verse 33, in the same way, none of you who are unwilling to give up all of your possessions can be my disciples. Jesus is saying that no one can be a disciple who does not give up, abandon all of his possessions. Now obviously Jesus is not speaking literally here, although some have understood it that way, right? Uh, Vows of poverty. But Jesus is talking about abandoning one's dependence upon the things of this world and faithfully placing a future in the hands of Christ. Uh, I I really love the way Eugene Peterson uh, translates this in the Message Bible. Um, Simply put, If you're not willing to take what is dearest to you, whether plans or people, and kiss it goodbye, you can't be my disciple. You have to take whatever is dear to you and be willing to give it up. That is the cost. That is the cost. Um, Freedom and grace that comes from Jesus is free. But it costs everything. Because we are invited to leave one kingdom. Kingdoms of this world and to go into the kingdoms of heaven. Right? We're called to leave the kingdoms of this world and the way this world works and enter into the kingdom of God, which has a completely different value system. It's running in a completely different ways. You can't stand in two places. You either enter into the kingdom of heaven or you stay in the kingdoms of the world. And so we need to learn to trust not to trust the things of this earth, but the higher things in Christ. Um, In 1 John 2, verses uh, 16 through 17, everything that is in the world, the craving for whatever the body feels, the craving for whatever the eyes see, the arrogant pride in one's possessions, is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world and its cravings are passing away. But the person who does the will of God remains forever. That's the cost of discipleship. A a living in the fullness of the world of Christ. That kingdom who's near. And it's as close as our next breath. And we're all invited to take up the cross, abandoning all else and following Jesus. Um, Now, if some of you have long memories, uh, you might remember... Way back to the beginning of the service, I gave a call to worship. Um, And I I did this on purpose. And it was uh, Matthew chapter 11, verses 28. Then Jesus said, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, let me teach you, because I am humble. and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. Now that sounds like the opposite of everything else in the sermon. Um, But it's not. What's hard is trying to keep your own yokes on you. And then adding Jesus. Because we're already burdened. Right? We go through this world and we carry all the things of this world. Right, We carry the values of this world. We carry carry the relationships of the world. We carry the sins of the world on us. The sins of ourselves we carry on us. Of course anything else on top of that is going to feel like a lot. But Jesus says, no, 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 no. Come to me, you who are heavy heavy laden. Yeah, put those down. Put the things of this world down and take my yoke and turn to my kingdom. Sure, yeah, give up all that stuff. But it's going to be easy because you're going to find your rest in me. You're going to find your strength in me. And so this morning, I encourage us all to consider the cost of our discipleship, to lay down our burdens. to take his, to walk in his truth. Please pray with me. Holy Father, Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your truth, um, which speaks to us louder, that resonates with us, stronger, and the things of this world. Lord, I pray that we can that we look and learn to let go. That we can learn to let go of the things that chain us um, to this kingdom, to the kingdom of this world, so that we can live more fully into the values of the next. So that we can be more generous, so that we can be more sacrificial, so we can be more loving, so we can be more kind so we can bring more grace to the people here who need to know your truth and your love so we can experience more fully all that you have to offer so we can receive the depths of your love. In Christ's name.